So after a year of talking about this, I'm sat here with my wife, Naomi, to talk about the other side of resettlement. And what I mean by that is putting your notice in or deciding to leave is quite a selfish thing to do, I suppose. Um, Although the reasons you'll be doing it are quite selfless for your family. I, for one, certainly didn't really take into account my partner's feelings. Um, I don't think it's a story that gets told very often. So I'm quite, quite nervous about this, to be honest. Are you? Yeah, really nervous. So we're at home. If you hear the um, hear the dog pitter-pattering around, I do apologise, but... He's we, part of the story. Yeah, he is, actually. He is part of the story. And we tried to put socks on him once, and he just froze and didn't like it. So... Yeah, you hear the dog pitter-pattering. This is what um, podcasting is all about, especially from home. So, we haven't really spoken about this, apart from this week when I got my story totally wrong. Um, But we'll get on to that in a minute. So, let's go back to where you were in your life in 2014. Yeah, so the start of 2014, I was um, sort of halfway through my final year of university, doing my undergraduate degree. I was working two jobs at the time, looking after the house, uh, looking after the dog, just sort of keeping things chugging along whilst you were doing what you did. So this is where we got confused the other day, because I was in the shower thinking, right, what happened was I came home. I was on HMS Protector at the time, so three months on, one month off. So I thought, right, I came home just before Christmas because I was going to be away for Christmas and you were going to be away for the Christmas of 2013 going into 2014. And in my head, I was thinking, right, we've spoken about it. I've sort of planted the seed, um, but it turns out that isn't what happened. And you corrected me. So what did actually happen? So from my memory, before Christmas, you might have said, oh, I'm kind of thinking about leaving um, at some point in the future. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Um, And that was discussion over, really. I think I'd always been pretty clear on what I thought regarding family and stuff. I'd always said... I'd be happy to marry you whilst you're in, but, you know, I wouldn't even consider having children or anything like that whilst you're in, just from the perspective that I feel it's unfair on everyone in that situation. So we were both sort of clear on that. But, yeah, we had that quick discussion, and that was it until January. Yeah, so I left January the 7th, 2015, so that means I must have put it in. January the 7th, 2014. So I'd been home before Christmas, flew to Uruguay, was at sea, we did Christmas, I was in the Antarctic, you were in Thailand. So we didn't actually see each other, or we weren't due to see each other probably until December, January, February, March time, which is not how I had it in my head, like I said. So I phoned emailed generally can't remember uh phoned 
Okay. If I remember rightly. So you get off the phone. What happened then? Um, shock. Worry. Disbelief. I suppose I initially thought, wow, okay, that's a very big decision that you didn't include me in very much. I was unsure of the process. Was it three months? You have to give notice, like a lot of professional jobs. Was it four weeks? Was it a week? Was it, you know, I didn't know any of that prior to you telling me you'd done it. In all honesty, I was worried about money. As I said, I was finishing up university. I had two part-time jobs, but they weren't enough to pay the bills. And I thought, you know, we've lived really comfortably whilst you've been in the forces. I was at a point where I was thinking, I need to find my professional job. And how how are we going to survive? Do you think I was selfish? I knew that you were doing it for us and for the right reasons. But yeah, a bit. Would I'm very practical, Jack knows this. I'm quite practical. And I would have said to him if we'd had that conversation, just let me find a job. Yeah. Let me find a professional job that pays well so that I can take the burden if you struggle. Mm-hmm. So it took the choice out of your hands, really, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So I come home. <clears throat> I start then, like a lot of people leaving the forces really, start banding these ideas around. So I'd already done like a personal trait or a, a gym instructor sort of certification because I wanted to. Again, you can argue if that was selfish or not, but that didn't really impact us. That was just something I did. Um, I think the biggest idea I had was going into maritime security and I probably had one or two other ideas. So what was that like, having such dispersed ideas been, well, me brainstorming, what was it like to be on the receiving end of that? Uh, difficult in the sense that I felt you didn't have a clear plan. Yeah. You were just chucking things left, right and centre, things that I didn't understand. And as I said, from my personal perspective, I was in a point where I was thinking, what am I going to do? then I'm worrying about what you were going to do. Obviously, the maritime security, I would have supported you, but I thought, well, you left because you wanted to be home, Mm. not so you could go back to sea for more money. Yeah. You know, that that was um, odd to me with the sort of PT gym instructor stuff. You know, you got a certificate, you qualified in doing it, and you've used it since. Mm. But at the time, I thought that's not... You don't have a passion for that. And I knew the love you had for the Navy mm-hmm. and it would you would need to do something that you love just as much yeah. for the for you leaving to have been worth it. Okay, fair enough. So again, as far as I remember it, <clears throat> I went to a careers fair in Bristol with someone else off the ship who was leaving at the same time. And that's when I was introduced to FDM, which is completely for those who know about it, you will understand. But for those who don't, it's an IT consultancy who do an ex-forces program and they have like a project management route recognising that there's transferable skills from the military into the corporate world. That's a very brief description of it. So I went to a careers fair, like I said, um, got handed this flyer, invited to 
an insight evening. Um, I think I showed you this flyer and you gave me, like you sort of laid out and said, this is when the maritime security stuff was still on the table. And that's why I actually went to the careers fair, I think. You're like, well, do you actually want to go back to sea? Do you remember that? No. No? Right. <laughs> Not no. really. Fair no. Enough. So I, again, I remember sitting on the sofa having these, all these leaflets that you get. And you basically looked at me in the eye and said, do you want to go back to sea? Or are you doing this for the wrong reasons? Because at the time, I thought naively that maritime security was big money. And that's why I was going to do it. But then realised it, it wasn't as simple as being a gunner in the Navy and transferring those skills over. It was going to cost a hell of a lot of money to do that, but not much um, reward in the end. Um, so, yeah, what, what was it like from that point from for you? So I remember you going to the careers fair. Again, I didn't know what that entailed. Um, all I had in my head was those year 11 careers fair in the local university to tell you a bit of what was available. So that's, that was my image I had in my head. And I did think, well, what what is he looking for there? It was really interesting that you found FDM and when you talked about it, I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting, but it's a commitment, just like the Navy was a commitment, FDM was a commitment. You were saying you were going to, you know, do this for two years, and there were risks involved. Obviously, you needed to pass, and when you said to me, oh, it's IT, I was just shocked. I probably laughed in your face. Yeah, a lot of people did, to be fair. You weren't the only one. I mean... Knowing your job now, kind of, I know that it's very different to what I saw IT as. I thought you were going to be some sort of coder, yeah. and that doesn't fit with your personality or what I know of you. Um, and I also thought you don't have the qualifications. You can't just go into a job, at a, you know, at a senior, seniorish level that's quite specialist. I thought you've, you've got no qualifications for that. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you're going to just walk in and do that? And I was maybe a bit, um, I didn't really believe you until it all happens. And this is something that happens a lot in our marriages. It's not that I don't believe you. Sometimes I just, I'm not sure if you've read the small print on things. Yeah, I'm very high level, have this helicopter view like to control what I can control and don't really worry about what I can't. And that works sometimes. <laughs> Other times it doesn't. So I can imagine that was what you thought I was doing. I just read, like um, like, like our dog, Reggie. I'd seen something and gone, oh, I have a bit of that without actually reading what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that involved... Um, being away during the week um, did you ever think like this is this is pointless this is just like being away again I struggled that was it 12 weeks of training you had yeah I ended up doing the, the 12 week grad version of the course yeah so that 12 weeks of seeing you just at weekends mm. was I would say probably harder than any deployment because 
when you left, I thought you'd left. Yeah. And that was it. You'd be home. That comes with its own difficulties of getting back into life together. But I thought, well, he's going to be home and we can work through those things. But instead, it was almost like a halfway point. And that was really tough. And I think it was a strain on our relationship, most definitely. Yeah, I think that was the, the period in time. And I didn't realise it at the time. That. I don't want to, you know, label it with mental health issues or anything serious like that. Because I'd be, you know, I, I wasn't, wasn't suffering to that extent, but. That was probably the time where I thought I was low and that did impact our, our relationship on some of the decisions that I may have made, you know, in the running up to that. I just thought I was struggling with the academic side of it. I kept failing all the exams and that just mounted. I was in this, oh my God, I was in that bloody squalor, that squat, no word of a lie <laughs> in, in Manchester because that's the only accommodation I could sort of get. And pay the mortgage, and pay to travel. Um, so that was probably the lowest point. Um, so yeah, I think it was hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. Yeah, and like you said, we had the stresses of making the books balance with paying a mortgage, also paying to rent a room. You had, as as Jack just said, the struggle with the academic side. I think we'll both agree I'm more academic generally. I just find it easier than Jack does. Yeah, no word of a lie. I would have... The only reason I ever got into FDM is because I was ex-forces and I I could talk. I was good in an interview. That's no doubt about it. That's not even me being um, too humble. That is a fact. I got in that off my interview skills alone. So that was definitely tough. Um, I remember sitting there trying to explain to you how to answer questions for the maths test and getting so frustrated, which is ironic now that I'm a teacher, uh, getting so frustrated at you that you couldn't understand some of the things that I thought were quite easy. So we had the stresses of Jack being there but not being there. On top of that was we were getting used to living together on the weekends. Then... Jack was struggling with the course. I was, uh, you know, coming up to the last few months in my degree. So that was, you know, a busy, stressful time. And I just don't think we functioned very well as a team. And this was in the, yeah, towards the back end of 2014. And we were getting married in the September of 2015 as well. Yeah, throwing a wedding with all that. So got through it somehow. Um, landed in a, a placement in Bristol, which now we had, we had, you know, we had two good years there. But again, from your point of view, as as being with someone who is in this whirlwind of being with someone who's leaving the armed forces, what was that like? Again, I don't really remember talking about it so much. Um, I remember, and you might not remember this, but having a conversation about when I finished university and from both of our perspectives you you were still going to be in when we had this conversation and we did have a conversation of would I move south 
Portsmouth, Plymouth, I get them mixed up, um, and we'd get married and that's how we could be together. So I think we'd have a discussion about whether I'd be willing to move. Just in general. In general, just, yeah, just to make things easier. And I, I was more than happy to do that. But when it came to FDM, I think you sort of said part of it is that I've got to be flexible with where I live. Are you down for that? Are you happy? And I said, yeah. I think the only thing I really said is I didn't want to be in London. Yeah, I think we both agreed on that just because of, and this is no slight against FDM, but we wouldn't have been able to afford to live in London. No, no To rent somewhere not. and then keep a mortgage going. So, yeah, I think we both sort of said London was out there. Yeah, so I thought I'm happy to move. And then that was that. You went for an interview and the job was supposed to be in Northern Ireland. Yeah, there was, there was a few in Dublin. I had one interview in London, luckily enough. I didn't get it. And that was the thing. You could you you get emails saying you need to be in London for an interview. And it was hard to put your best foot forward because I didn't want to live there. <laughs> but I think Bristol was somewhere you'd been before. Yeah, so Bristol actually was where I was planning to go to university before we met and I decided not to move very far. Um so yeah, I, I was excited really excited jack moved there before me you moved do you remember what month you moved so the job started in february yeah so i was in a house share for for a bit just to because you were still finishing yeah. and you couldn't move full-time because you still had the end of your course to do so luckily fell into a house share with two two lovely guys they were cousins um, and you came because again it was like weekend weekend warriors yeah stuff, wasn't so it? but we were taking sort of taking it in turns to travel up and down yeah. I still had my job uh, I'd gone down to one job because I was coming to my final exams so I was still trying to do that we we're trying to spend still see each other whilst planning the wedding we we did aim to stay apart until after the wedding do you remember yeah, yeah. it was September I was going to move but it was just getting too much for us wasn't it so yeah. May I did my Moved to Bristol, drove back to North Wales for my last exam. But that, I suppose, was that was the first time I'd ever lived away from my family. And ironically, that was the most exciting part out of the whole process up to this point, where I thought, okay, we're going to be, we're finally going to be together, which was the aim of you leaving, and we can build, build something together. And that's when it, it became exciting for me. So at that point, before it started to get exciting, I asked you if you if you saw I was salvaged when I put my notice in. As this stuff was sort of snowballing, did you think that even more, or were you just in a whirlwind of I don't know what's going on? Yeah, I just didn't feel like it all happened so fast. Yeah. You you finished FDM, you know, we're doing stuff with FDM. Next minute, it was right. I've got a job in Bristol, and I'm going. And you went. Then it was all the back and forth, planning the wedding, finishing uni. So it was all very exciting. So I suppose at that point, I was just wrapped up in it. When I look back, again, it's a big thing to just say to your partner, are you willing to move anywhere in the UK for my job? Mm. And I think that's something that has come come up in our relationship probably years later, is there has been time there have been times where I've thought I moved for you so you could succeed 
but then that's part of marriage isn't it that you and since then you know you've considered what I need in every in every decision you've ever made I imagine yeah I try to um do you think people in a similar position to you, male, female partners, feel the same? Do you feel like, do you feel, I'll word that question in a different way. Can you imagine other people feeling the same as you and do you feel like your voice wasn't heard during that time? Um, through my own fault, I probably didn't put my voice out there to be heard as much as you not listening but I think as at that time you were the breadwinner and from your perspective I need to have a job because I've chosen to leave the navy Mm -hmm. and that security I've got to make this work and I think people can be so sort of single track minded that that's the end game that they have to do that that what is happening around them and I think the partners in these situations will often just go along with it because you want that person to succeed and for me I never wanted you to feel that you'd made the wrong choice so I wanted to do everything I could to support you in that. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it's not to say this is right. But as soon as that, whether you choose to leave or it's it's time for you to leave, once that 12-month clock starts ticking, it does push you into being that single-minded person. Because in, in one aspect, you have to be. But it, does, it can be um, easy to forget everything else around you as well. Because you are so set on trying to prove yourself that you can succeed once you've left i mean i think find it strange because you have to be so focused to succeed in the settlement Mm. i really do think you have to and that is selfish because it's your own selfish need to succeed but then i know deep down you wanted to succeed for us as well yeah that's nice um so out of it all what did you find the hardest do you think um the uncertainty I like to know what's happening and when and how and I didn't feel like from the very start I didn't necessarily understand the process and I'm someone that likes to read the small print I didn't understand the process and I didn't know how we were going to move forwards and it was just that uncertainty and it's just silly little things like people saying to me oh so Jack's leaving yeah yeah so what's going to happen my family saying well what's going to happen I say well we might move across the country uh we might not we might just stay here Jack might be a personal trainer we might do a bit of maritime security it sounds so ridiculous when you say that. You know, when you say that to your dad, the man that thinks, is old-fashioned and thinks Jack should be supporting my daughter, how do you then say to him, oh, yeah, well, he hasn't got much of a plan, uh, but he's working it out. 
it, it they're, they're hard conversations to have, especially when you've already got that inside that you're somewhat panicked on how it's gonna, what you know. So is that out. something you'd advise people leaving to do? Like keep your partner in the loop. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Every step of the way, let them understand and let them know what your plan is and what you've got in place. I know you like to not keep me out the loop, but you want to make my life as easy as possible. So you try and take the stressful aspects of life away from me at times. Mm. And that's probably what you've done. You tried to protect me from all the finer details. But actually, at that time, I felt like I had no control over what was happening in both of our lives. So if you are going through through resettlement at the moment, keep those around you in the loop because they may not understand. You probably don't understand at all, but um, not being open and honest, even saying, I don't know what's going on. This is what I do know. Um, that's better than nothing, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. And... I don't, I'm rubbish at sayings, but a problem shared is a problem halved, is that about yeah. right? So it might not feel like speaking to your partner about it is going to change anything, but just having them a fresh pair of eyes, a different, someone with a different thought process or different knowledge about things, they, they might have ideas or maybe actually they can just be there to support you and including them will make them feel part of the process yeah and you can do that as well we've spoken about it recently having our we have our best conversations when we're outside of the house so we either go for a walk just go to a cafe just somewhere outside of your, the comfort of your own environment where you can sort of just hide away in normality um yeah you might be able to have those harder conversations um did you learn anything about yourself during it all yeah, most definitely. I suppose my strength that I could get through it. Bravery, because yeah, I just didn't know what was happen- you know, going to happen. And the biggest one for me is commitment. And often you think of commitment. Well, I'm with someone in the forces, and they're away nine months of the year. Sometimes, of course, I'm committed, and I stay at home and I wait for them. But actually sticking by Jack through resettlement was harder than any deployment and made me realise how committed I was to him and to us and to you know both of us succeeding so yeah I'd say commitment was definitely the thing that I I I learned how committed I was to us because it would have been easy to easy to walk away then yeah. Do you think it would have been easier? Um, you know, some people, we just, we made a conscious decision not to do this. Well, I left, I think it was the choice to be fair, because I left, of not being ingrained or, is it ingrained? Ingrained? Or part of the forces community by, you know, having a married, living on a married quarters or a married patch and having that 
helpful community around you do you think that would have helped or do you think in hindsight you would you were better off dealing with it on your own um i think there's pros and cons both ways i think being involved in that community you you know can speak to other people that have been through it or are going through it and there's more of a sense of community it was hard being around people that didn't understand what I was going through but I think that's the same for when you're with someone in the forces whether it's when they're in or resettlement having people around you that understand must be a lot easier but it was just a case of you leaving we weren't moving out of married quarters. I wasn't having to move away from all my friends that I'd made. And I don't, I, I can't speak for those people. But for me, would I probably would have felt that I was losing my community. Mm. I didn't have to deal with any of that. Mm. So yes, I had to deal with it on my own, or I suppose with the support of our families who don't really understand it. Um, But I wasn't losing my normality and having my whole life change you know I've recently seen someone online who said that they they split with their partner and stayed in my quarters for two years without him and has now been told she's got a month to leave or something something along those lines yeah. that's that's got to be hard I mean she potentially overstayed her welcome anyway but I've never had to deal with that feeling like I was losing my home and my community, my friends, because I have those and they're the people that I've had around me my whole life. Mm. It's like a ripple effect, isn't it? So we've spoken about me. We've spoken about you. You you touched on it in a way. So I'm going to ask, what did, you know, your, were your family up front and honest with their concerns and fears or was it just a case of them having loads of unanswered questions, do you think? Um, I don't think my family would get that involved but mine didn't because they know how strong-minded I am and how from the start we've made our own way and done things our own way so they had questions um, but they also knew not to push me what I did struggle with was speaking to your family I was just yeah yeah cool because I really I felt like they would think that you were leaving because of me. And, and the same with your friends. My, like I had such a concern that behind our backs they were going to be saying, oh, you know, he's met her and they're getting engaged, they've gotten engaged and now she's made him leave. And it was never, ever that. I was against you leaving, to be honest, at that point. Yeah. I would have said, right, get your half pension and then we'll 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 work it out then yeah. um so I found it harder speaking to your family and also you're very private and you don't share things with your family mm. so they do come to me for explanations I'd say or or you will sort of drop something in conversation and not expand on it and they know not to push you so sometimes they would then say to me, well, what does that mean? So then I had the pressure of speaking for you at times, which is hard when you don't understand the process yourself. Was that my mum? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did she raise any, like, what, what did she say when you spoke to her about it? Or if you even did, I don't know. 
Um, so I don't remember having sort of conversations just about that. It, you know, it would just come up yeah. in conversation. And I struggled to talk about it because I said I, I didn't know and I would share what I could. But it was just the same questions off everyone of what's he going to do? Oh, this is a big step. Mm. What people wanted answers. People don't want it or I don't know because uncertainty is not nice. I suppose for yeah, the person who's leaving, it might just be me, probably just me. You don't want to just talk about it all the time. But that's unfair because people want answers. So just because if you're going through resettlement now, just because you're it's your weekend and you don't want to necessarily talk about it, that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do because everyone around you has got questions that deserve answers as well. And I think it depends on your partner's relationship with your family and stuff. But I do think what Jack has learnt very recently is that his family do ask me the questions sometimes because they don't know how to approach him or they don't want to bother him with those questions because they know that you're completely submerged in whatever it is, whether it's your job now or when you're doing a settlement. So they do some, you know, families will go to your partner to ask them questions. Okay. Um, so what would you say, advise, or anything really to someone in a similar position to what you were? Um, so be a team. You've really, really got to work as a team. As I said, this is something we've learnt through the last few years of marriage, is you have to work as a team. You have to have those frank and honest conversations and they and they hurt sometimes and they don't always go the way you want them to. And sometimes it does mean one of you storming out of the coffee shop, you're having a conversation in. Because we all have emotions around things, but yeah, try to be a team, try to talk things out. Uh, be patient, but strong. And what I mean by that is, that person that you're with, their whole life is changing. Everything they know and potentially have known for 20 plus years for some people, yeah. that isn't just their job, that's their life. And I'm sure you all know that already. So be patient. And as much as I say, you know, they need to share information so you can feel part of it, don't nag them every weekend you know, say, right, we need to have this conversation. When you get home Friday night, let's do this conversation and then we'll just relax for the weekend. But that's where the be strong comes in because you have to also make sure your needs are met. So by doing something like that, saying, right, on a Wednesday saying, look, we need to have this conversation. I've got all these questions. Maybe even just send them the questions. so They've got time to prepare those things or find things out come home, have that conversation on Friday or Saturday morning or whenever that suits you, and then it it's done. Be patient with the fact that the, that person, you're there, you're their sounding board. Mm -hmm. And we know in relationships, the easiest person to take things out on is our partner. 
But again, I'm very quick to put Jack in his place <laughs> when he steps out of line. Um, and just be grateful, which sounds like a really strange thing from what I've said previously, but be grateful for that person that you're with. Be grateful that they've hopefully had a really positive experience of the forces and it has enabled them to grow and you know the only reason we were able to have a property so young was because of the forces and mm. um, so be grateful for those things but be grateful for every minute because what I tried to do is when things were tough I would say to myself well you could be at sea I could be yeah. a week into a six-month deployment right now so as much as sometimes I'd want to murder him, I did have to stop myself and be, and try to be grateful for for that moment. And what about if you were to advise someone who's the person going through it? So if you could, if you could, if I was to do it again, what advice would you give someone like me in order to help their loved one at home, loved ones? Be open. Be open with how you're feeling. You know, there's this horrible thing of, oh, boys don't cry. And I think there's probably many a time that you needed to just sit down and let it all out. But you didn't. You kept it in. And it came out in other ways that weren't productive or or very nice in some ways. Um. So, yeah, be open. Share how you're feeling. Tell that person what they can do to help. But if they can't do anything, that's fine. But tell them, look, there isn't anything. I'm working through this. There's nothing you can do apart from just be there. But be mindful of the, the what the other person is doing. So I do think through resettlement, you often were so wrapped up that you didn't stop and think, oh, yeah, I really need help with working out how to answer these maths questions but she has got a 3,000-word essay due in tomorrow, yeah. and she's in work tomorrow morning and then work tomorrow night. You know, it's And we all do it in life. We get so wrapped up in our own things that we don't always stop to think. And even if your partner's you know, not going through the stress of university exams or whatever, they, they might be at home just with the kids. Mm. Um, and that potentially gives you even more time to think about it and ponder those questions. And it's really important for that. I just think it's really important to make that person feel like they're part of the process as opposed to an outsider in the process. Okay. Any final thoughts? Enjoy, try to enjoy it. Um, we always laugh and say Jack Jack's aim was to make X amount of money after two years. And, you know, he achieved it, celebrate it and try to be open. You know, I never thought Jack would work in IT. Even now when people say, what's his job? I say, oh, scrum master, is that to do with rugby? No. Something, and I just go, oh, I, something's with IT. And they're like, oh, right, yeah, he's a, like a computer geek. And I'm like, no, he's definitely not that. So, yeah, be open and just try and make the most of this time because it's resettlement is hard, but you've got a year 
to try and work it out and try and make those decisions and it's not forever if you make a decision it doesn't work change it yeah it's, it's not too late if you think you work for that year to be a personal trainer and you do it for a month and you think god i hate it but i've always been interested in this it's not too late to try something else and if there is anyone um out there or they, they listen to this or their partner passes it on um you're happy for people to email you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you... I'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, if you put my work email address in there, and I'm more than happy for questions or observations or feedback, um, and I'll try and help in any way I can. Brilliant. Well, I hope you'll appreciate that this was a, a very honest conversation. Hand on heart, we haven't we haven't really prepped this well Naomi has because I sent her some of the questions but apart from that this is genuinely the first time we've sat down and spoken about it and like I said at the start I think it's a story that doesn't get told that often from the perspective of the loved one at home or loved ones as in family as well um so yeah give it a review give us a rating um give us any feedback hopefully it added some value and yeah thanks for listening good luck